So we are at the, uh, the second to last uh, Sunday of this series. Yeah, he's a little bit shorter than Jeff. Usually I'm like looking like this. Uh, second to last uh, Sunday in the series, uh, talking about the great commitment, TGC. Last week we talked about the great commandments when one of the Pharisees walked up to Jesus and he said, you know, basically he's, he knows that Jesus is a good teacher. He's listened to some of the things, some of the debates that were going on. He's like, okay, this guy's got his head on straight, so let me throw him a curveball, kind of the theological debate of the time. What is then the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. He says, and the second, which is equally as important, is love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where we find ourselves today. Last week we talked about the first part, loving God with everything, uncontrollably, just uncontrollably loving God. You know, that's sometimes hard to do, isn't it? In moments of darkness and despair, moments where you think God has left you. And that song that they just sang, All all I Can Say, I don't know if you were listening to the words. This is a song that um, my wife has on her iPod. And she reminded me of it. And neither of us, I don't think, have ever really, maybe you have, I've never really listened to the words of this song. But it's talking about, I think, that great commandment. Lord, I'm so tired, so tired from walking. And Lord, I'm so alone. Lord, the dark is creeping in to swallow. I think I'll stop here for a while. That's all I have right now. And then it says, you didn't see me crying. You didn't hear me call your name. Wasn't it you I gave my heart to? I mean, this is a song of utter despair. And what does it say in the last verse? It says, I didn't notice that you were standing there. I didn't notice that it was you holding me. I didn't notice that you were crying too. I didn't notice that you were washing my feet. God loves us so much. And, you know, sometimes in those dark moments, we forget that. In those dark moments of despair, we get a little bit lost and caught up in ourselves. And we forget that God is crying with us. We forget that God is right there with us, wanting to wrap his arms around us. If we just remember those things. If we just remember that he loves us so much and we give that love back to him. But that last part there, it was you washing my feet. Man, that gets into this second commandment, doesn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Serving. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was in Mark that we talked about that last week. Uh, If... Got your Bibles up to John chapter 13. Now, this is an interesting thing because the disciples knew when Jesus, you know, basically he brings those commandments, you know, down to the center. You know, it's like, okay, all the 613 laws, sum them up for us. So it makes it easier because we're just, you know, humans and it's hard for us to remember 613 laws. So Jesus brings it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because I... But this one also, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. They've heard that before in Leviticus chapter 19. Moses talked about this. It's nothing new to them. But he brings it up as just as important as loving God. And then in John chapter 13, this is right before the, uh, Christ is about to be betrayed. The time has come for me, Jesus is speaking, the Son of Man, to enter into my glory. And God will receive glory because of all that happens to me. And God will bring me into my glory very soon. Dear children, how brief are these moments before I must go away and leave you? 
then though you search for me, you cannot come to me. Just as I told the Jewish leaders, I'm at verse 34 now, so now I am giving you a new commandment. What? Did you catch that? I'm giving you a new commandment. This is important information. If the Messiah is telling you this is something you need to listen to, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Yeah, we know that. We got it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You told us that earlier. Love each other just as I have loved you. There's the curveball. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, Jesus takes these two commandments and, you know, love God with everything and then love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, don't just love your neighbor as yourself. Because let's face it, some of us don't love ourselves very much. But love each other as I loved you. With my very blood. That's a bigger deal. And he says, and by this love, by this love, the world will know about me. By this love for one another, the world will know about me. Does anybody have a tattoo in here? You know, just be brave. Raise your hand. If you got a tattoo, you're brave anyway. Okay, a couple. I know. Where's Terry? There you are. I was like, Terry, I know you got one. I don't see your hand out. Okay, yeah. Some of you have to, there's a couple of you that have tattoos in here. I will tell you that my wife wants to be raising her hand right now because there was a time that she wanted a tattoo in college. You know those crazy Baylor Bear girls. Um, <clears throat> we'll hear about this later. Um, <laughs> yeah, she wanted a tattoo. And, you know, people get tattoos for various reasons and, and different, different reasons why. And a lot of times I will ask people why. You know, if you got a tattoo that I can see, I'm going to ask you about it. Hey, what's that say? Hey, why do you have, uh, you know, that on your arm? Hey, why do you have that right there on the back of your head? Hey, what's, you know, what's the deal? Now, some guys, I'm not brave enough to go up and ask them why they have a teardrop below their eye. But sometimes I like to find out because a lot of people have tattoos. And, and, you know, what's the reason behind it? What are you trying to tell the world with your tattoo, with this permanent piece of artwork on your body? Anybody ever seen the show, uh, what is it, L.A. Inc. or whatever that, that show was? One of those things on, it's like on Discovery or something. Jen and I watched it a few times, um, and, and it's about a tattoo shop. And basically, it's exactly what I was at, you know. They, they follow this tattoo shop around, the life in this tattoo shop, and the people that come in, and they're like, you know, why are you getting this tattoo? And there's some elaborate stuff that people get, just amazingly elaborate stuff. And then some people just get, you know, like, mom. Nothing wrong with that except one of you big guys that raised your hand. Um, good job. Uh, so, and, but people get them for different reasons. And what does it tell the world? You know, Daryl and I were joking about this Sunday that we should have a tattoo artist come up here and tattoo one of us, TGC. Neither of us were brave enough to do that. Daryl's like, I don't want to cry in front of people, man. <laughs> and it's going to make me cry. Tattooing something on your body that says, I am a believer of Jesus Christ, the mark of a believer. And that's the question. What is the tattoo? What is the thing that tells the world that you are a believer of Jesus Christ? Do you have something that is tattooed permanently in your person, in your personality, in the way you live your life, 
so that whenever somebody looks at you, they see something different. Whenever someone looks at you, they see something about you that sets you apart from the rest of the world. What is it? Well, what Christ says right here is that it's your love for one another. Plain and simple. People will know you are followers of me by how you treat other people. People will know that you are a believer of Jesus Christ, that you are a Christian by how you treat one another. It's true, isn't it? People look at how you treat other people. People are constantly evaluating each other. We look at one another. If you are a known Christian, people look at you a little more closely. Why? A lot of times to see where you fail. A lot of times to see where you're a hypocrite. A lot of times it's to point out something that you're a Christian and yet you're doing this. Because that's what the world wants to do. They want to tear us down. We give them ample opportunity, though. Sometimes the loudest voices in the Christian movement in the Christian church are condemning voices. They're not loving voices. They're voices that are angry and pointing fingers and bitter. And man, every time those people get up and they take the world spotlight or the stage and they're coming from a Christian perspective, it makes me cringe. And I hate it. Not because I necessarily disagree maybe with their theology or disagree with their political stance, but I disagree with how they are attacking. Because that's not what Christ did. Christ just told us in this scripture right here, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. So how do we do that? How do we do that if we're always pointing fingers? How do we do that if we're always excluding? How do we do that if we say, you, you can come into this place of worship and worship with us if you dress a certain way? If you have a certain color of skin, if you have a certain economic level, if you have a certain education level, we'll more, be more than welcome. More, more than welcoming to you. Man, that's not what Christ is saying. I mean, Christ got down and washed the feet of the dude that would betray him. The guy that was about to send him to the Romans. Christ got down on his hands and knees and washed his feet. For those of us that think feet are kind of gross, that's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing anyway. That Jesus Christ was loving to the very core of who he was. God is loving to the very core of who God is. And all he does is ask us to do the same thing. And is it that hard? Corbin's discovered how to get out of his crib. Yeah. He will be two next month, for those of you that have never met Corbin. He uh, weighs about 35, 36 pounds, somewhere in that range. Um, he's three feet, a little over three feet tall. He's a big fella, is what I'm saying. Um, and he just now has finally discovered how to vault from his crib. And it, it was Wednesday night that this revelation took place. We were, Jen and I were supposed to go Thursday on a, uh, a little getaway, and my parents were coming in town. They were in town to watch the kids for us while we, while we went. And um, Wednesday night, both of the kids decided to uh, 
revolution comes to mind, um, just go absolutely nuts. Gracie was sick, so it's not her fault. She wasn't feeling well, so she was up screaming. And Corbin decided he wanted to join the fray. And so he gets up screaming, and Jen and I are like, we are so, like, we are a little bit worried about leaving them because Grace was sick at this point. We're like, God, thank you for giving us the okay because we're out of here. So, you know, we're, we're both tired, exhausted. It was a long day, and Gracie finally gets to sleep, and I, I, Corbin's up still screaming, and I put him back in his crib. And his, when, he does, when he really wants us, I mean, like, really wants us, it's not just Daddy or Mommy. It's Daddy Michael and Mommy Jenna. You know, so it's Daddy Michael, Daddy Michael, Daddy Michael, Daddy Michael. So I hear this for a while because I was the one who put him in there. And he can go nonstop. I mean, like, for real. And you think I can talk a while. Um, and so he, uh, he, he does the Daddy Michaels for a while, and I'm like, please, if you wake your sister up, dude, I mean, seriously, next week you will see by the time you land um, is what I'm thinking. And, and so he goes to his daddy, and then he's quiet. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. And, and, you know, and so I start kind of, you know, you get in that drifting off part of sleep where you're kind of asleep, but you're aware that the world is still going on around you, and you're still aware of noises. And all of a sudden, I feel this presence in the room. <laughs> yeah, and I look up, and here comes Corbin walking down the room, and it freaked me out because, you know, I... You don't expect your son to be there when you just left him in a closed room inside his crib, and he's never done this before. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he comes over to me, and he wants to get in bed. And I'm like, dude, you've earned it. All right, come on up. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's impressive. So I said, go get your lovey. You know? And so he runs back to his room, and he gets his lovey and his lovey bear and his bear. We call it the entourage. And he comes back like this and, uh, and gets in bed with us. And but we still left, um, and my parents said that he did similar feats uh, the next few days. And, and yesterday, I guess it was last night, we went through a similar occurrence. He didn't want to go to bed. He wanted to be up with us. But before, we could just leave him in there and let him cry. But now, he's got an out, you know. He's like, you can't keep me here any longer. And I know this. You know this. So let's just make a deal, right? You know, so I hear him, and, and Jenna is a blessing uh, to me in so many ways, but on Saturdays, she takes over completely uh, because of Sunday mornings. And so she is a, 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 just a blessing to me in that way. And so I, I finally passed the baton to her. I said, look, we've reached the hour where it's now your show. <laughs> so here's Corbin. Um, and so I, I went to bed, and I hear Corbin make yet another escape, because this is what it sounds like. Quiet. <laughs> Essentially, as he makes the vault down onto the wood floors, and we have a pier and beam house, so it just shatters the entire house. And and then I hear Jenna say something, and he goes, Lovey? You know, because apparently he didn't think of his escape plan brilliantly enough. Like, he should have thrown Lovey out and then gone, but he left Lovey in. And you, like, leave no Lovey behind, apparently. And and so he goes, they go back and get Lovey, and eventually he comes back and he gets into bed with us is where it happened. It was really hard to love him at that moment. It, he's cute, wonderful little guy, and he tosses and turns trying to get to sleep. And he's got his lovey, and he has the lovey bear. And a lot of times he'll go, here, you can have the lovey bear. Like, oh, thanks, man. I, I curl up with his little lovey bear. and You know, it's, it's such a wonderful father-son, mother-son moment. But at those moments, it's kind of hard to love him, right? Parents know what I'm talking about. You're there. You feel me. At that late of an hour, you're like, seriously, dude, it was hours ago that you should have been asleep. You know, 
we experience moments like that every day of our life with people. Experience moments like that when, when we're just living our life and here comes somebody that just, you know, it's that one person in your office that just gets on your nerves. That one person in your life that every time you see them coming, you're like, oh, you know, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Or maybe it's just some random stranger and you're having a great day and you're moving along and things are going well. But then here comes some person to just ruin your day. As I have loved you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. Doesn't matter what someone has done in your life. Doesn't matter what has gone on in your life because what, what we do to each other couldn't compare what we have done to Christ. Caused him to give his life for us. Love one another. I don't care who it is. Love one another. Have you ever prayed for your enemy? you ever prayed for somebody that you really, really had something against? I said a few years ago that um, I used to pray for Saddam Hussein. And Osama bin Laden. And people are like, what? I pray that they get captured. And it's like, well, maybe, but I also pray that they would come to know Jesus. I, I, I don't condone what people have done. I don't condone what the evilest people of our world have done. But man, I want everybody to know the love of Christ. I want everybody to know the freedom and eternal life and the gift of salvation that I know. I want everybody to hear the words of Jesus Christ when he says, love God with everything and love each other the same way. Why don't we do that? And look, I don't do it all the time. I have moments there are people that just kind of those personalities that get me. And I have moments where I fall into that. Oh, and I got to remember, you know what? She's a child of God. He's a child of God. God lovingly created this person in His image. How can I not love them? How can I not get down on my knees and wash their feet? If we are truly to live out the second commandment or the new commandment, as Jesus later says in John, if we are to truly loving if we're truly living out loving one another as Christ has loved us, then we are going to serve one another. We are going to, to rethink the way we do church. We're going to change everything about how we operate. No longer will someone walk into a building like this and feel unwelcome. No longer will someone be intimidated to come on to our hugely white campus. No longer will the walls of the church define what the church is. Because we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And we are the ones in the world sharing the love of God. We are the ones in the world who are to love each other as Christ loved us in a sacrificial way. Man, that's a commitment, isn't it? That's a commitment to begin to live your life that way. Because I bet, like it is for my life, that's radically different from how I've lived. Usually I love myself first and look out for myself first before I do others. 
That's not what Jesus did. What he did was look out for us first. Maybe let's begin to do that. Next week we're going to talk about as we bring this to a close is is making that commitment. And what does it look like if we as the church go into the world and begin to live these two commandments out? What does it look like if we make this commitment to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and to love our neighbor as Christ loved us? What does it look like when we begin to do that? So I hope you come back. I mean, y'all are here today, so I hope you come back next week. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being a God of mercy and of love. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who loves us so deeply and desperately that you are willing to give your life for us. God, we thank you for that gift. And God, I, I, I pray that all of us would know that as you call us to love you and to love one another, that you are right there with us, giving us the strength and the support to do just that. That you are leading us along this path. And at those moments we fail you, that you are still standing right beside us. And that you forgive us and encourage us to move on and to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ in this world. It is in his name we pray. Amen.